from New York, it's Ask This Engineer. Hey everybody, and welcome to Ask Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada, the engineer, with me, Mr. Lady Ada, on camera control, um, and controlling the known universe. Uh, we have an exciting show. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of work. We got a lot of stuff on the show tonight. Lots of email. Yeah, all the email, actually. Um, so why don't we just get right into what's on tonight's show, Mr. All right, Lady Ada. On tonight's show, the code is Linpot. 10% off of Native Restore all the way up to 11.59 p.m. Eastern time tonight. 10% off of things that we have in stock. You'll also get the freebies along with that. We'll talk about that in a bit. We will also talk about our different live series of shows, including Show & Tell. We're going to do some time travel, look around the world of makers, hackers, arts, engineers, events that are going on, and more. Help wanted, jobs.adafruit.com. You got skills, post them up there. You're a cool company. You want makers and programmers and designers and engineers to work with you, post up the jobs there as well. In New York City factory footage, look around here at Adafruit and out our window. 3D printing, some videos from Noam Pedro and more. We got INMPI brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit where Lady Ada looks at the newest, latest things and more in the world of electronics. We got some new products, got some top secret, a amazing top secret, tune in for that at the end for sure. And then we answer your questions. Put those in Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord, where you can join all 32,000 of us every single hour of the day. But we do your questions at the end. All that and more on, you guessed it, Ask an Engineer. Okay, Lady Ada, let's uh, kick it off. So the code is NPOTS, and um, you get free stuff. What do you get? Uh, so um, $99 or more, you get a free Promoproto hash size breadboard. Uh, 149 or more, you get a Stemma QT board, but one of many possibilities. 299, oh, sorry, 199 or more, you get free UPS ground shipping. And I actually believe that we have that's the, it. Oh, we don't have any other freebies. Nope, sorry. That's it right now. We're going to add Circuit Playground Expresses in the next few weeks. Yep, and you can combine it with the 10% off code. All right, so we do a bunch of live shows every single week. We just finished Show and Tell. Show and Tell was great. Do you have a particular highlight? Ooh, well, Jay showed the most adorable robot. Yeah. Uh, Jeplo showed off um, running copy, you know, how to rip and run copy protected Commodore 64 games, including this game from yeah. his childhood. Um, that was pretty cool. Uh, we had a person who met you 10, 15 years ago and yeah. made a macro pad. Uh, JP had a Wordle keyboard and yeah. Scott. Pedro had their uh, uh, LCARS interface thing. Yeah, that was really neat, nice. No Always relation to the code LPOTS. No, this different, this LCAR is different. Yeah. And then. Um, Scott uh, did some uh, S3 hacking, yeah. so it was, a, it was a big party. Check it out. It's on all of our social media properties and more. Uh, but a lot of people watch on YouTube, and it's there right now. On Sundays, we do Desk of Lady Ada. This week, uh, part one of Desk of Lady Ada was... Uh, so, okay, so I was showing off the cutie pie that I got working with RetroGo over the weekend. So I got to show that off. Um, it was a pretty easy port. RetroGo does a lot for the ESP32, so all I had to do is add uh, support for the I2C expander and the TFT display, and then all the emulators pretty much uh, worked yeah. on the two megabytes of PS RAM. So that was great to see. And then we do the great search, and this is where Lady Ada uses our powers of engineering to help you find stuff on digikey.com. What did you look for this week? Well, for the design, I had a very nice slim headphone jack, and I wanted to uh, show people how to spec a headphone jack, things to look for. Um, different models, and we found one that is basically the one that I used in the design. So if you like the look of that uh, headphone jack, um, it's one that I've used and I've had a lot of success with. 
And we also did a special edition INMPI, which you see here, where we talk about VHB tape from 3M, which will totally stick anything to anything. All right. And this week, I'm going to zoom through uh, different parts of our show because we got a lot ahead. Um, JP's product pick is every Tuesday. You can watch uh, the full thing or the highlight on our YouTube channel. And then tomorrow is JP's workshop. And JP will be showing off this really cool synth. I showed some of it in the beginning of the show, but I wanted to show this little clip right now. And part of JP's workshop is Circuit Python Parsec. And again, you can watch the clip or you can watch the latest one that'll be coming up tomorrow. On Friday, speaking of live shows, we do a deep dive with Scott. And tomorrow, JP show, Friday, Scott's deep dive. And Scott will be talking about all the stuff he showed on um, the show and tell. And uh, it's last week to get all of your CircuitPython 2022 requests, things you want to see, things you want us to do, things you want to do. And you can email it to us, you can tag us, you can do everything. Scott's going to do a summary pretty soon, so get on that. Time travel. Let's look around in the world of makers, hackers, artists, engineers, and stuff that we need to get the word out on. So the big one is always, uh, we only have a couple slots open for Adabox. We'll be shipping these in March. This is the additions that we're doing because between COVID and the supply chain stuff, there's no way to give a specific date. So we're like, seasons. Um, so the best we can. We, yeah, but uh, we shipped every Adabox for the last two years. It was uh, playing the video game on hard mode, but we will also be shipping this one. So it's winter edition. It's going to be really good. Please sign up. We're going to run out of slots. And then once you see what's in this Adabox, you're going to say, I really wish I had that. And uh, we don't do back orders, um, and so this is the way to get a Adafruit product kind of in advance. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're in New York City, uh, on uh, the cable program, they're rerunning um, a, a show they did called Her Big Idea. It was season two, episode one, where they interviewed you. They had uh, folks here in the factory. Um, this was uh, right before uh, COVID, so uh, you'll notice people don't have masks on, so that's the difference. It's weird to see footage of ourselves in the before time. Yeah. Because I'm like, hey, why aren't we wearing masks? Oh, yeah, that's the before time. Um, but it'll be over soon. Um, we're not wearing masks right now because we're the only two people here on site. And uh, for the most part, things are uh, going in a good direction. So I think this will probably be uh, it. Maybe, fingers crossed, no weirdo variants again. Um, we posted this up on the blog, and uh, one thing that Adafruit does is we do a paid day off for voting. Um, some countries do that. U.S. doesn't yet. Um, but Tuesday was help get people to be poll workers. So we put up all the information, and a lot of our uh, team does this, and then people that are in our community do this. And we're just trying to encourage this. So no matter where you're at on the political spectrum, I think we all agree having people around at the polls to help run it is good. Um, and Adafruit uh, has uh, paid time off for that for folks. So um, anyways, all the information is on our blog, or you can, of course, go and check out. Just It's it's on every, like, Gov site now, and you can also just, like, Google Poll Worker Day. Um, we've been showing some retro-y stuff. This is from, I think, like, eight years ago. This is 2007. Yeah, okay, even longer. A little longer. Um, <laughs> so this is um, some PCBs that we showed. And then um, I guess the big... The big thing with this is it has wave bubble on it and also has minty boost. This is back when I was at iBeam, so yeah. they can see this is iBeam work I was doing at the time. I was designing some boards. We did the minty boost while I was at iBeam. So yeah. it was this, this one magical year where I got um, a lot of stuff done, um, met you, uh, really kicked off Adafruit, really you know, started. The, I mean, the company had been running for two years, but this is when they really started to yeah. become... Um, uh, you know, a bunch faster. And then in July of 2013, these are, you know, just time travel, looking back in time, um, you designed this board, and uh, this was... Uh, this never got released. Well, it's funny because I was digging, I was actually yeah. digging for some uh, 402 capacitors. It's a weird creature that's never seen the light of day. Yeah, I was looking for um, the components that are on this board. I was going to recycle them, and so I sometimes go through the proto bins, and I was like, oh, wow, you know, this... This design was a 32U4 8-bit micro with a CC3000. It was kind of designed to be like a Wi-Fi feather type thing before 
you know, micro USB didn't even exist yet. It was really still mini USB and um, that antenna is way too small, but you know, at the time it, it seemed like the right idea. Um, this never actually worked, um, <laughs> but it kind of sort of partially sort of kind of worked. Um, but then, you know, the Wink 1500 came out and we ended up using that. But for a while we were using the CC3000 quite a bit. Um, and it was the best at the time. Yeah. Now um, we got better. And uh, we resumed our uh, publishing of a bunch of photos that we took. Um, we had to, we had a bunch of projects that we were doing a couple years ago and we're just like, we can't get to them because dealing with everything. Um, but this is the Logitech Photoman Plus from like 1993. It's like one of the first digital cameras. Um, and then we also posted up the Apple Quick Take. Now, what's funny is there's uh, so much like Apple Photoshoppy stuff out there. People assume this isn't even real, but it is. This is a real it's camera. It's got a rendery look to it. Yeah, it's the Apple Quick Take 150. It's the second digital camera. We've posted up the original one and uh, the 100 and then or maybe it's 200 and then this one. Um, so this is from our Adafruit Apple Museum that we have. Um, speaking of retro, on Wednesday of next week, Hackaday, my old job, um, not connected with it anymore, but we're doing a hack chat. And on the hack chat, we're going to be talking about floppies. So it'll be Jeff, you, and myself. And uh, go to hackaday.io, check out the events. And this will be about a half an hour, hour or so in the hack chat, broadcasting on all of our social media uh, properties as yeah. well. Um, and you'll be talking about all the floppy work you've been doing. We're going to be playing a lot of these videos tonight here, but people who have a lot of questions like, oh, can I do 8-inch floppies? What about Commodore? What about double density? What about that? What about all those questions will be answered? Yes. And more. So that's the hack I also have questions. If you have answers, come by. You yeah. can answer my questions. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is um, there's a lot of folks, um, only because this is what they told me, um, and I felt this way too, kind of intimidated by like the retro archivist community. It's a little gatekeepy. And so what we're trying to do is bring in more beginners and more people that they're like, oh, like this is the first time I've interacted with floppies. I, I know that you can get like a USB drive, but I know that doesn't work. So how do I like, I have all this stuff in the attic. How do I get it to work and all that? So we hopefully can answer all those questions. Like what's a grease weasel? <laughs> There is, there is such a thing. I know all about grease weasels yeah. and flux so anyways, engines. Um, we're hoping to, to expand the retro computing um, fandom and participation. So this is just one of the ways. So we'll see you next week. It'll be 3 p.m. Eastern time, Wednesday of next week. Hackaday. Okay. Help wanted. You can go to jobs.adafruit.com and check out the job listings there. And you can also check out... People are posting up skills this week on the jobs board. Two of them got posted. Creative engineer, fabricator for Mechatronics. It's a contract job. Check it out. It is with, um, let me get the name of the company right. It's with Shopcat. And then um, CircuitPython, programming two buttons to control nine servos with Pi Zero and 16 channel bonnet. This is from Ken, and this is also a contract job. I'm seeing a lot of folks who want something done and they know about Adafruit because they're using our hardware and they're using something like CircuitPython, but they want to hire someone to assist them with it. So check it out. If you've got the skills, this will help you pay the bills. Python on hardware. All right, Lady Ada. We have a newsletter. We think we're going to get maybe 10,000 readers by the end of the year. That's what really? Anna's saying. Yeah, right. that's what Anna's saying. Um, but it doesn't matter. You can read it on the web. Uh, we don't spam. It's a whole separate site, Adafruit Daily. This week, a couple highlights before I go into what I think is an interesting story. Uh, the Raspberry Pi Pico RP2040 turns one. I remember one a year, year ago. Happy one year old. Feels a lot longer, but yes, I remember we, 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 you know, we were porting CircuitPython in secret. I designed some hardware yeah. um, with the chip. We got the feather designed very early, got that released very quickly. And uh, now it's one of our top chips. I love designing with the RP2040. Yep. And it's available. Um, I'll talk about the um, CircuitPython GitHub repo in a minute. Um, you're going to be on a PyCast. It is a celebration of 10 years of Raspberry Pi. So this will be on February 15th on Tom's Hardware. So you'll be uh, there with Pi Maroney and also uh, Tom's Hardware. And I think they have a whole series of guests and specials and, and yeah. all that. So check that out. Um, as I mentioned before, we have uh, the CircuitPython 2022 call for requests, participation. Um, what are the things that you want to see? 
Scott did a roundup. We put it in the newsletter, and we also have um, Scott's deep dive this week. We'll you'll probably be summarizing uh, quite a bit of this. Um, so all of the projects are there. Um, Circuit Python show. Uh, we're not doing this. Someone else is, which is good. Not me. Um, yeah, I don't. Know I'm if, busy. <laughs> yeah, I've got enough shows to to work on. Um, but they're doing interviews. There's guests. So whatever podcatcher you used, I don't even know if people call them that anymore. Um, sign up, subscribe, and you'll um, you'll see uh, and hear Paul interview a bunch of folks. Um, there's a bunch of CircuitPython stuff in Hackspace Magazine. You can check that out. And then just projects galore, never-ending projects. I thought this um, blood glucose meter was kind of cool with the mag tag. That's nice. Um, so do check that out. So the, the story, the one I wanted to focus on this week is, so something happened in the world of CircuitPython, Lady Ada, that made the stars on GitHub, which is a measure of, are people using this? Are people doing stuff with it? It's they, a rough measure. It, it's, not, it is, it's not how many it, users. It is a measure. But it's how many people are interested yeah. in the development of it. So what happened for these little areas that it, that it, that it spiked up? Yeah, so you see, like, normally it's quite linear uh, for the most part. You know, it, kinda, it just kind of go, goes with time, although it's accelerating, right? It, it does kind of curve up. But there's two big bumps. Uh, one bump is when we did the Pi Portal. Um, because, you know, basically we had a project which would ding every time people uh, starred um, the GitHub repo. And so a lot of people were, uh, you know, we kind of said, hey, folks, like, check out this project and star the, um, the repo. And a lot of people got uh, a Pi portals in the Ada box, uh, I think, added stars uh, as part of the project. So uh, we saw a bump there. Um, and then uh, another bump, you know, came basically a year ago right around... Um, um, MicroPython. I'm, I'm guessing that's exact. You know, I like, don't know the exact date, but it looks like it's just at the new year of 2021, which is, I think, a lot of people got um, Raspberry Pi Picos, and they're like, I want to run software on it, and CircuitPython ran out of the box, and could do keyboards and, and MIDI and USB, and we had a lot of libraries and drivers. Um, so I think that was a big bump in in the use, you know, use uh, user base. Yeah. And so we got a lot of uh, stars then. Yeah. I think um, when you introduce new hardware, that's when a lot of it. A lot of well, it's a whole new family of hardware, right? Yeah. And Raspberry Pi even said, you know, one they sold about a million Picos, so you know, like ten percent of those people probably, you know, or one percent even checked out yeah. CircuitPython. Um, you know, that's a hundred thousand more users. All right, so um, 10, you can get this newsletter with all this and more at adafruitdaily.com. Once again, we don't spam. It's a completely separate site. It has nothing to do with your Adafruit account at all whatsoever, and it gets delivered to you every single week by a cool purple snake that we like to call Lenka. And that's Python on Hardware this week. Okay, Lady Ada, we're an open source hardware company. To prove it, because you have to prove it all the time, um, we have 2,613 guides. There's code. There's all sorts of things so people can share and learn from what's on the big board this week. Um, well, we got uh, two new guides. Uh, well, Katni's working on the QtPi ESP32 S2 guide. It's not a new guide, but she's adding um, Arduino pages. Um, the Arduino support for um, the ES. Sorry, this is this is actually a new guide. We added the UFL um, version details, um, and we added a couple more template pages. Um, this guide got a little bit of work. Uh, this Feather TFT Stemma case is a new guide. For known Pedro, and we'll show the video that goes with it in the yeah. 3D Hangout section. And then um, for this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play the little video. Yeah, so we've also got, uh, sorry, the, the RP2040 guides got um, Arduino pages added because the Arduino support for the RP2040 has, has gotten to the point where we feel really comfortable telling people uh, to go use it. It's, you know, I, I use it all the time and the hardware and software is, is nice and stable. So the KB2040, Itsy Bitsy RP2040, they're all getting those pages uh, so that people can um, start using Arduino. And then we've got two new guides, uh, one from Isaac, um, which is a pendant that pulses with heart rate, that uses a Bluetooth heart rate monitor uh, to monitor the heart rate. And this is kind of building off of, we, we had an old project that Becky did before Bluetooth um, when you would use a polar heart monitor. Nowadays, you can just use a Bluetooth one and it works like really, really well. And it's much lower power and you don't need this specialized hardware. You can, can use any generic um, heart rate monitor, and then JP did this awesome arpeggiating arcade synth controller uh, using the QD, uh, the uh, Stemma QT arcade 
breakouts. Yeah, that's the little clip in the, I also showed in the yeah, beginning. Yeah, that's and the then thing we JP will be showing that tomorrow. And then we have this little kind of like uh, trailer for a guide. So okay. I want to, this is the heart. <laughs> Coming this, soon. Yeah, this is the uh, heart rate pendant. All right, um, let's do some factory footage. Okay. And it wouldn't be factory footage without, uh, you know, the Disney building. Uh, this is a view outside our window now. It's like breathing. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, it's going to get skinned soon. Yeah. From, from lovable characters. Okay, 3D printing. All right. Um, first up, I had a little thing that I wanted to show. So this is a cool site that you can upload um, STL files, mm. and it'll turn 3D models into ASCII text. That's so fine. I had designed the Hackaday logo like 17 years ago. I did the Adafruit logo, and I did a bunch of logos, but it, uh, f th this was a 2D model that was extruded out a little bit. So I thought this was neat, and you can um, make it either black and white, um, you can rotate it. You can do all sorts of different things. And the, the text itself, that if you zoom into it, it says, it says Hackaday. So I thought that was kind of cool um, because you can do all sorts of things uh, with 3D models. Um, and you can also, there's an, another uh, site that this person made that you can do like low-res poly stuff. So I took like this Buddha sculpture that looked really neat, and then I made it low-res. It was kind of cool. So anyways, you can check that out. Don't Pedro, I think, posted up uh, a link to that as well on our blog. Um, let's uh, play the two videos back to back. We got the TFT Feather, and then we got a speed up. Hey, what's up, folks? In this video, we're taking a look at the Adafruit TFT Feather with the ESP32-S2. This dev board features a 1.14 inch display with a LiPo charging circuit and battery monitor. It's got the ESP32-S2 mini module that works with both Arduino or CircuitPython. We designed and 3D printed a SnapFit case to make a little compact IoT project. We can easily add STEMIQT breakouts like these temperature and humidity sensors. The two buttons on the front are accessible so you can quickly reboot or get into the bootloader. You can get the parts to build this project, links are in the description. You can 3D print the parts without any support material using your favorite filament. The bottom features slots so you can use M25 hardware to secure these Stemma QT sensors. You can fit up to two boards and secure them using hex nuts. A small LiPo battery is able to fit in between the standoffs with the cable routed through the side. 
The feather press fits into the case and these two covers just snap fit over the top. The Stemma QT connector is accessible so you can daisy chain your sensors and make a portable IoT project. We hope this inspires you to check out the new TFT Feather with the ESP32-S2. Thanks for watching and be sure to subscribe for more project videos from Adafruit. stuff and more with Noah and Pedro, the longest running live 3D printing show in the known universe. All right. Uh, Lady Ada, are you ready to do uh, INMPI? I am. Let's do it. INMPI brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit this week. It is from TE Connectivity. Lady Ada, what? What is this week's INMPI? Okay, yeah, TE comes around again. It's time for them. They they do make a lot of connectors. This came up on uh, digikey.com slash new, which is what I like to check every day to see the latest sensors, devices, chips, and more. So do check it out because you'll um, you'll get a heads up on the latest NPIs. Uh, this week, we're going to be looking at um, SMT terminal blocks, which I didn't know existed. So I learned a thing and I found a thing. I'll probably use the thing on an upcoming design. Um, so this is what they look like, and I'll also show it on the overhead. Uh, maybe actually I'll do that um, now. So I'll show it yeah, just because it's, uh, it's uh, you really want to see it in 3D. Um, so this is a uh, normal terminal block, and I'll talk about those in a moment. And this is an SMT terminal block, so you see uh, it's designed to fit flat on a PCB, whereas these um, go through the PCB. Okay, great. Now that I've shown what this looks like, uh, let's go to the next slide. Okay, so uh, TE makes a lot of terminal blocks. They make 169 different kinds of terminal blocks and terminal block accessories. Um, the ones that you're most used to, um, or at least I'm most used to, are, are these. They're called uh, termi blocks, and um, they're kind of cap. They're called captive cage, where you know you turn the screw at the top, and this little mouth uh, opens and closes. I'll, I'll show that also um, on the overhead later. You uh, solder them through the PCB and they come in various pitches from 2.54 millimeter, about 0.1 inch. Um, so, you know, 3.5 millimeter is popular. I tend to use those 3.81 millimeter and uh, 5.08 uh, millimeter, which is uh, 0.2 inches. There's also, I think, even bigger ones, but those are the kind of the most common sizes. And terminal blocks are super useful when you have a board and you want to connect wires to them. Um, and the wires don't come with like a pre-made connector. so. Uh, to be honest, often it's motors for us because motors tend to come with bare wires. Um, they don't come with connectors, um, you know, standard size connectors, solenoids, uh, some sensors, and you want to connect them um, to your board. Uh, terminal blocks are, they're very easy to use, right? You don't need special tools, you just need a screwdriver. Um, you know, they're easy to swap around, they're easy to customize. You can also put multiple wires into, um, uh, you know, one terminal block. Um, so we've used them, so like in the Cricut board is one of the first boards that really used a lot of terminal blocks. Um, we also have terminal block feather wing. Um, you can see here it's got like a long line of terminals, uh, one for each pin on the feather. Uh, you know, again, makes it easy to take something that is uh, breadboard friendly and make it wire friendly, especially like for thicker wires that don't plug into a solderless breadboard. Um, the good news is uh, these are, you know, easy to use. They're very common. Um, they're jelly bean parts. The problem is, is you need a selective solder machine. 
uh, to really solder these in or wave soldering or do it manually because it's not an SMT process. Um, we even had a series of posts about what you have to do. Like they don't go through a surface mount machine like a pick and place. Um, you have your board surface mounted and then you take it out and you have to manually place by hand all the connectors and then, you know, use this other machine um, as, I, as you saw me uh, modeling it. Um, we have a KISS 102, but there's, you know, lots of different selective solder or wave soldering machines. And then it, it puts down the thick amounts of solder needed to make the mechanical connection. And then you can see on this board, the bottom of the Cricut, um, you can see what it looks like. You've got these little Hershey's Kisses of solder. Um, and each terminal block is pretty big. It needs a, it needs a lot of solder. So, you know, the, the good news is that these are nice, strong, common connectors. The problem is that you need this secondary process uh, to use them, which is kind of a pain, um, especially if you only need like one or two terminal blocks. Like if you have a lot of them, you know, the cost and it's not a big deal. Like you might, if you're gonna do a couple, you, you put all of them down and, and you have the selective or the wave, do all of them at once. But if you only have like one or two terminal blocks, uh, like on our, uh, you know, Buckaroo Bonsai, which is a very simple little motor controller. We actually, um, you know, we wanted a surface mount um, terminal block because we really don't want to put a board this small and this inexpensive through a second selective solder process just for one terminal block. It just wasn't worth it. But all the motors that we were using for um, pumping water, they always come with bare wires on them. Um, and so this is a terminal block that you kind of see inside. There's like a little, like a wedge and you stick the wire in and you, um, you can loosen it by pressing down. But these are, they're not as elegant, I think, as the, the screw type terminal blocks. Um, they were more likely to uh, get damaged. Um, people would press down too hard. They wouldn't press down hard enough or like they got jammy. It's, you can't really see what's going on inside. Like you have to really push. It, it was not, the user interface was not as elegant in my opinion as uh, the captive cage blocks. And so it was really neat to see um, these TE terminal blocks pop up that have um, SMT tabs and they come in a variety of sizes. Um, all of them do, you know, about 16, 18 to about 28 to 30 gauge. So you get, you cover your most popular 20 gauge um, segments. You can use stranded or solid core. That's another thing. You can't use stranded core with those push type or a stranded core. I mean, you can use it just fine with the, the captive cage type blocks. Um, they come in various sizes up to seven pin, uh, 3.81, 3.5 and five millimeter blocks are all available. So they are kind of standard sizes and, um, you know, amperes of current. Um, and they're, you know, pretty easy to use. Uh, the, you know, as expected, instead of a through-hole pad, use a, a big surface mount pad. And you want to get those pads to be really chunky. Um, you want uh, a lot of mechanical strength because there's going to be torque on um, the connector. Uh, there's also, if you can see some in the bottom uh, left-hand section, there's two uh, positioning holes. And the positioning holes um, help with the torque uh, because as you're um, opening and closing these terminal blocks, you know, you're twisting the top and it's very easy to twist it. You know, you're, you're going to twist it all the way one way, twist it all the way the other way. And um, the terminal block holes, uh, which are not present on through hole style, and it's easy to forget to add those. You do have to add them. Um, they'll keep the board from shearing off the PCB because you don't have those through hole connections. Uh, giving you mechanical stability. So those are not optional. But if you want uh, a Terminator, that's going to be your best friend and uh, great for surface mount processes. I know why you humans cry. Yes, I know. This is a weird scene. Um, but I was thinking about Terminators, and I was like, well, you know, this is, a, this is your hands-up, friendly Terminator. Um, I think that this is, you know, it's going to be more expensive than uh, through-hole Terminators, which are very jelly bean parts. But if you only need one or two, and you don't have to go through that secondary process, it could save you a lot of time, effort, and money. So do check it out. Um, they're available in the various lengths and stuff. On DigiKey in stock, uh, do check the pitch and number of pins because there's like 20 different versions. Okay, I'm gonna break a little bit of rules Oh, here. I forgot one more thing. They come, oh, yeah. on, a, they come on a cut tape piece. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Want to show it? Yeah, sure. Sorry. One thing. I All right. So I'm going to break. Hey, come on, you broke some rules. I'm going to break some rules. Yeah. Why are, why are parts sometimes called jelly beans? Why are they called jelly beans? I don't know where the word jelly bean came from, but it means it's a generic component that has multiple suppliers, like, a, you know, an 0603 resistor or capacitor or some, some buttons. Um, but basically, it means it comes from, uh, don't worry about it. Yeah. I don't need that. Well. Okay. Well, no, I got it. Um, All right. So that's, so if anyone has in, a better history of jelly bean, let us know. All right. So uh, we're going to remind everyone of the code. We're zooming right along because we got to get out of here right on time tonight. And we got a yes. lot of, we still have a lot ahead. Let's uh, remind everyone, Limpots, that's the uh, code, 10% off, 80% store. Ready for new products? Yes. Let's do it. New, 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 new. Okay, new products. Very first new product this week is? Uh, this is an updated product. So um, the company that we used to get our uh, EL wire from, um, Yu, they unfortunately went out of business, which is a shame because they made really great EL stuff. But we found a supplier that's almost as good, um, but a couple products are slightly different. So um, this um, audio reactive EL driver, just kind of like a common you know, simple project for beginners because there's no coding involved. It's just audio comes in and it reacts to sound. Um, so this one is no longer six volt. It's now five volt. It comes with a USB connector and you just plug into USB, but it's still audio reactive. Uh, it works a treat and it's a great, like simple, you know, you want to have a, a project that is um, reactive to sound, but you don't want to do any coding. This could do the job very well. Just plugs into any standard EL while you're using yeah. like the classic JST. A ton connector. of projects would, a lot of time and effort and anger and frustration would be saved by you're probably, for a lot of folks who want to do sound effect activated stuff, this is probably what you want. Yeah, maybe we go to the overhead. because well, Let's go to the overhead. I'll just show this really fast. So you use, uh, you can use like a USB um, lipstick connector. I mean, anything with USB output will work. Yeah. And you can see as I speak, uh, that is cool. It's uh, reacting to it, and it gets brighter, and it confuses the camera a little bit. Um, so you can use this with any uh, EL panel or wire uh -huh. or tape. Yeah, it's kind of bright in here. However, um, let's uh, let's go to me real quick because I'm going to try something. So can you hand that to me? So if you had a costume, um, you know, you could potentially you can even see it because I'm you could potentially have this as like you know on the mouth or something like that. And yeah. It would look like it's it's talking. It's animating. So hello. Hi. Yeah, that's kind of cool. This is neat. Yeah, you want to want that on your eye? Yeah. Great. That's my product demo. Nice. Okay. Thank you. All right. Uh, next up, uh, I can do this one. So we have um, we we do women's shirts first in our store. It's a rule for us because if you're a woman, you never get women's shirts, and especially in like tech companies, um, they're always gigantic male shirts. So uh, we now have male shirts because we did the women's shirts first. So this is uh, a shirt from the Share Zone. It says, I don't collect NFTs unless you're talking about nice fucking t-shirts. So this is our response to the people who continue to think that we do NFTs. We don't, um, but we do have a nice collection of t-shirts. Uh, we do have an NFT gallery on adafruit.com, adafruit.com slash NFT. Check out all the shirts that people wear, lots of black shirts with skulls. Um, and here's me modeling it. I don't have any NFTs, but I have the shirt. So check it yeah, out. Yeah, I don't either, but I, I have one of these shirts too. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, we get blamed for it. Okay, next up. All right, next up we have some more, um, you know, these these are called like aeronautic connectors, but they, these are not to be used in aeronautics, it's just the style. Um, I think these are really neat. Uh, when I was at the Media Lab, we did a project with these connectors, but we were using the very, very expensive type. Um, these are, uh, you know, similar enough that they have the same look and feel. Again, they're not mil spec, but they are a great alternative if you just want to have like a keyboard project or like any kind of user interface project um, that has a panel mount with this um, interesting like safety lock type. Tiny uh, lightsaber. Can I, yeah, <laughs> it's a lightsaber for ants. It's a lightsaber for ants. So let's, let me go to the overhead because this is, this is a kind of a weird connector and I want to show how it yeah. works. Yeah, this looks just like the lightsaber that I was looking at earlier today. It does. Anyways, Maybe yeah, the lightsabers sorry. were based on this. this. It's a mini lightsaber. Okay. Okay. Focus. You could do it. 
Okay, I think I got it. Okay, so it comes in two pieces. So we have another one, the YC8 series, and it's wired wire. This is wired panel. Um, and this is actually two pieces. So what's interesting is that if you try, you can't pull these pieces apart. This is the panel mount part, and this is the connector. But if you pull on this, it comes apart very easily. So there's this little spring. You can barely see it, but there's a little spring piece that comes out. There you go. And if you pull it in, you can then remove it, but otherwise it's locked in. Um, it's also keyed, all the red dots have to line up. They snap in very nicely, and again, you cannot remove it until, unless you yank on this part. So this is like, you don't have to worry about it coming apart from being pulled, um, but if a human pulls on it from the right location, if you're just holding it at uh, this spot, um, it'll come apart very easily. Um, this is a panel mount connector, so it's got uh, a locking nut and a hex nut, and then you know you can solder to the four or five wires. We have a version with. Hold on, let me see. Actually, I think I only. Oh no, I have the five wire version here. Yeah. So um, this version is five. Oh, is, this, is this the other product? This is all together. Okay, so I can show. I can show yes, this. Yes, we have a nice little demo of, the, right. of the same thing, but with nicer nails. <laughs> And then the panel mount connector, um, four yeah. pin and five pin. The reason I did four pin and five pin is four pin yeah. is like USB standard Oop. and five pin is, you know, USB plus shield or something. Oop. You know, there's there's I squared C, uh, USB. There's a lot of things that four five cool. pins uh, can do. You can do some, you know, simple SPI maybe yeah. um, as well. So right. um, the only thing to watch out for is the cable connector side, you really need to, there, there's a section inside of it. Can you go to the overhead again? Yeah. There's inside, you have to uh, solder um, to these pin contacts and this comes apart. There's a, I think I need a tool to, I need a pair of pliers, but um, this comes out um, and then there's this collar that is call it that grabs the uh, shroud of the wire, and so your wire really, really needs to be um, the exact diameter that we mentioned, which is I think like four to five millimeter, and it can't be thicker. It has to be able to get through this um, little section in order for it to grab. Hold on, there you go. For it to grab it, so that when this part screws on. It's um, when you when you pull the collar is what's grabbing onto the uh, sheathing of the connector, uh, the cable connectors. Um, so that's the only thing to watch out for is is whatever cable you use, make sure that the outer diameter of like the rubber PVC casing is within the range for this connector, and it's like I think four to five millimeter or so, um, and it really has to be in that number. <laughs> it can't it can't be too less, and it can't be more. If it's less, you can add heat shrink. Um, to the outside of the cable when you solder, before you solder it in, and that can help uh, give you a little bit of mechanical um, uh, thickness for it to grab onto. But it really needs to grab onto it for this thing to work out. Uh, so yes, yeah, so these are kind of cool um, panel mount and um, you know quick release connectors. Next and they're up. like very beautiful. Next up we have another version of the ESP32S3. Three, uh, this is the room two. I think this has uh, 32 megabytes of flash, eight megabytes of PS RAM. This is a maxed out. So this has like the most of the most of the most. Um, and we just wanted to offer it because uh, some of the other versions were not available. Um, it's got the ESP S3 in it. This is a dual core USB native um, ESP espresso microcontroller with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Uh, it's got two USB ports, one for the debug port that goes through the um, USB serial connection. One is the native USB port uh, for native USB development, which we use in CircuitPython. So this is a nice little dev kit. Um, I know we have like a couple different flavors, but with the chip shortage, not every version of PS RAM and Flash is going to be available. So like uh, we wanted to carry all the different ones in case like if you needed one and there was one with more RAM available, you could use that for development while you're waiting for it to come back into stock. Um, but this chip is uh, new. Uh, Arduino supports coming in as of this video. It's it's being like merged into Arduino. Uh, CircuitPython working on it as well. Um, so it's a very new chip, but it's very exciting because it's a uh, very powerful and it's very inexpensive. All right. Next up, we have a whole bunch of pots. That's why the code 
was LinPots. Yes, we actually have um, one LinPot. The rest are actually audio pots, so log pots. Uh, but uh, these are dual pots. These are dual gang pots. Uh, we have them like 1K, 5K, 10K, 20K, maybe 50K, 100K, yeah, and then um, mega so, ohm. So, I decided so this is not the to, end of the pots. Yeah, I decided not to put in like every photo because like 50 photos. They're all, they all look very similar. So what I did was I just put in the ones that were like, right. here's three. So there's this the single. We have like yeah. one single. And so the duels are, I think, kind of new this week. The duels are, it's dual gang. There's two pots. Two's totally mechanically and electrically. Sorry, mechanically they're connected. Electrically they're completely separate. Um, these are often used when you want to control stereo signal. Um, they're all uh, log pots, so that the they're good for volume control. Although there can be some other like tuning or um, uh, you know fading or mixing or whatever that you want two potentiometers that are like matched. They're synced up. Um, so these dual gang pots will do the job. Um, they have 0.2 inch spacing. You can use them in perf board. They're often used in synths, mixers, DIY audio projects, you know, panels, uh, modules, etc. Um, we want to stock a collection of alpha pots, and it's just easier to get kind of one of each. So now we have one of each. Okay, and the start of the show tonight, besides you, Lydia, our community, our customers, our Adafruit team, and everyone who makes all this go is... Uh, this is the ADXL 375. Uh, it sounds and looks a lot like the 345, uh, but it's more. It's the 375. It's 30 more than the 345. This is a plus or minus 200G accelerometer. Um, so we've carried another 200G accelerometer, the ADXL 377. Um, that is like kind of being discontinued. It's an analog output, um, high G accelerometer. We wanted to have an alternative for people uh, who wanted to do rocketry projects or, um, you know, anything with a ton of force. I don't really, you know, I don't know anything other than rocketry and maybe like race cars or like um, projectiles, what would could possibly um, have such high G forces. But if you need to measure high G forces like that, this is your breakout. Robot it's soccer leagues. Robot soccer leagues. So plus or minus 200G, not adjustable. That's the fixed um, uh, range. Uh, you can change the sample rate. I think it goes up to about a kilohertz or so. Um, you can use I2C or SPI. It's got two interrupt pins. And uh, we put on this breakout that's STEMIQT compatible with four mounting holes. So you can, you're going to have to mechanically connect it strongly to whatever it is that's going 200Gs, right? So... Um, you have the four mounting holes. Uh, you can use I squared C or SPI, your choice. And um, what's kind of neat about the ADXL 375 is it's actually like the um, register map is identical to the 345 or the 343. So if you happen to be using a library that has support for the 345, you can drop this in and then just multiply the Gs by like 10, whatever the number, you know, 10.5 or whatever to make it two or sorry uh by 100 you can make it instead of plus or minus two g's plus or minus um 200 g's and then um the interrupt code and like the shock detection and spi versus i squared c and the irqs all of them act the same it's pretty much this it seems like it's kind of the same chip but they took away um the range select and they just made it so it's a lot less sensitive it's good for up to 200 g's I'll say that there is an offset to these um, accelerometers, uh, and it's more noticeable because it's plus minus 200 Gs. You'll notice a 1% offset. Um, and so these are not very good for measuring gravity. Like if you want to measure gravity, which is 1G, use our 2G accelerometers, our 4G or 8G accelerometers. This is really not good for that. This is going to be really good for the thing is going incredibly fast, and you have to measure very high uh, shock or things um, that are acceleration. Trying to escape gravity. Yeah, yeah. This is not good for this is not good for your general purpose. Like, oh, I want to measure tilt, or motion, or even yeah. sports. You know, with human level motion. This is for this is for your jet. Yeah. <laughs> this is for your rocket. All right, and that is new products. Okay, okay, don't forget the code is LINBOTS. 10% off the native store all the way up to 11.59 p.m. Eastern time tonight. Lady Ada, let's, uh, we're going to do the top secret because there's a bunch. So while we're doing top secret, don't forget, put your questions in adafruit.it. Discord's Discord. back. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, if we're not around later, join all 32,000 of us because we're doing stuff in Discord all the time. Um, I have some of the questions lined up, but let's go to top secret right now.
from the vault. Ooh. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna play the videos of some floppy work that we've been doing. And also um, we have, uh, do you wanna just uh, give people a reason to stick around? You have got your little gamer. Yeah, thing. show the little gamer, yeah, show so, some floppy disk stuff. Yeah, so we have the, 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 the famous tiniest playable zoom, uh, Doom playing device. So. Open, open source one. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe, maybe not, we'll I don't see. know, who cares. Um, so we're we'll gonna play. Say it, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna play the the flo the floppy videos first, and then I'm gonna play the latest thing that we did with the um, Doom player. So here we go. Ada, what is this? I'm finishing up uh, my last test for the Cutie Pie ESP32. Yeah, the text is backwards. <laughs> the Pico uh, board that I designed and I've been working a lot with over the weekend. I'm doing some power tests. This is um, I did functional tests over here um, by having it in this little. Uh, cutie pie board so you can uh, emulate NES games. Um, but for some people, they really want lower power functionality. So I want to make sure I've got that all fixed up because it's really hard to fix low power mistakes um, after the board's been sent out. So here is my PPK uh, from Nordic and you can see, uh, you know, normal functionality. It's about 40 milliamps. And then this is uh, light sleep. So it's about 2.4 uh, milliamps or two to three milliamps. And then for deep sleep, when I turn off the NeoPixel, I get down to about 70 microamps, which is great because uh, the chip is about 50 uh, microamps and the regulator is also about 20. So total about 70. Early data, what is this? Okay, I've had a lot of success over this weekend porting RetroGo over to the ESP32 Cutie Pie. That's this, it's got an ESP32 on the back of it, a little bit, a bit like this, except that's the C3. Uh, micro SD, um, I2C expander, on off switch, um, little LiPo battery that I can stick here, and a TFT screen. And um, I got Nofrendo, you know, part of the Retro Go working. What do you want to play? You want to play Dragon Warrior? Sure. Oh, wait, sorry. That's a different game, new game. And I've got even audio working out the um, headphones, so you can actually start to play these games and test them out. So Dragon Warrior is one of my favorite um, old-school RPGs. It's by uh, Enix, um, pre-Final Fantasy. But um, this is working, and I uh, only made one little mistake. Uh, audio is coming out of A3. should have been coming out of A0. But I'll fix that on the next board ref. Okay, so Nofrendo works fine on the ESP32 Cutie Pie with his little board. Um, and I thought, well, maybe let's do... Um, Game Boy next. So this is Gnu Boy Go. Let's start a new game. And I remember playing this. I remember getting a Game Boy when I was very young. It was like a birthday present. Maybe I was like 12? I don't know. But uh, I played this game all the time. This in Tetris. I didn't have a Game Boy Color though, just the uh, Game Boy Classic. Still, um, it's a great little game. And uh, I don't know. I can't wait to like finish this. I don't think I actually finished it when I was a kid. But, um, all right, so uh, Game Boy emulator works, Nintendo emulator, we're gonna try a couple more emulators next. Hey, Lady, what is this? Okay, so I'm taking a pause from the floppy stuff, but for a good reason. Um, this is an Odroid Go. This is a really cool, um, like, portable, you know, Game Boy-like emulator that had an ESP32 rover in it, and it could load cards off an SD card, and, like, there's a bunch of emulators written for it, like uh, Nefrendo, NES, uh, Gnu Boy, Game Boy, Sega, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I still have one of these. They're not made anymore, unfortunately, but this was really cool. Actually, it was a, it was a really great little emulator. But what's nice is that I wanted to try to port um, the emulator itself to the ESP32 Pico so I can make like a really cute little gaming thing. This is my prototype. And you can see um, I got the TFT initialization like not quite right, but I do have TFT on there. And uh, on the back is the Cutie Pie ESP32, an SD card, um, and some circuitry, battery charging, and all that. So uh, it's slowly but surely coming together. First sign of life. Really, Data, what is this? Uh, one more emulator that works in RetroGo is Sega Master Systems, which means um, you know somebody was asking, can you play Sonic? And yes, you can. You can get all the rings. Oh no, well, not very good at this game. Uh, the other thing uh, somebody was asking was, uh, is there cheats for Doom? And the answer is, um, you know, you normally you would like type in stuff on your keyboard, but with this, you can go into the options menu and under cheats, you can, you know, do the chainsaw and vulnerability, 200 health, get all the keys. 
and all that uh, makes the game lots of fun because you can uh, give all the weapons from the start. Kaboom! Great for playing Doom on the go with all your favorite weapons. Early data, what is this? This is a uh, three and a half inch HD floppy disk that has been formatted as a Mac 800K. I did that by tricking it, by taping over the hole over here. Um, and I put this in the PowerBook 180 and formatted it. Thank you uh, for the PowerBook 180. Uh, it's 800K because 800K floppies are kind of interesting. And I've been trying to read this on sort of a standard PC, Sony, or Panasonic three and a half inch uh, floppy disk drive. But what's interesting is it doesn't really work. Here I've got it with um, Flux Engine. You can see um, the dots are sectors that read fine. And you see like, as you get to um, higher and higher tracks, um, you know, the sectors don't show up and it's like they're okay for like the first few tracks, but then they disappear. Well, the reason for that is actually kind of interesting. Mac 800K floppies are weird. Um, each track actually has a different number of sectors and the pulse widths change. So um, on the outer track, which is actually track zero, the pulses are very short. And as they get closer and closer to the center near the hub, um, the pulses get wider because you want more um, magnetic media to pass under the head. And um, for MFM floppies, which is what normal IBM floppies are for floppy disks, the track widths, um, sorry, the bit widths don't change. They're like two, four, six um, microseconds, and they're the same no matter what track they're on, whether they're on track zero all the way out here or track 80 all the way in here. So if you're trying to read Mac format floppies, the outer tracks will read just fine because they use the short bit widths, but as the bit widths get larger in time, but stay the same in um, physical space, these disk drives have trouble reading them. So we might have to do some special math to get Mac 800K floppies uh, to work with this. It could also be the diskette itself. More to come. And that's top secret. Yeah. All right, well, I'm get some questions going. Yeah. back in the vault. Rolling right into the questions. I have a bunch lined up. Great. And we're going to get through them really fast, and I'm going to get you out of here, because I know you have a bunch of hardware you want to do tonight. Who yes. likes doing hardware at night? You like doing hardware I'm at night. I'm also tired. Okay. First up, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. How do I connect analog out of a microcontroller board to speakers or mic input? Change voltage. Yeah, so your voltage from a DAC is going to be 0 to 3 volts, and Linen really wants 0 to 0.7 volts, so you'll want a resistor divider, uh, one quarter resistor divider, and then uh, put a, uh, you know, one microfarad capacitor on the output, and then you can pipe that into a Linen or mic in on uh, any stereo. That won't drive a speaker because you'll need a, a speaker amplifier, but it can drive a, you know, powered speaker. Okay, uh, we answered a little bit about the jelly bean parts. Basically, it seems like it's a standard thing across the entire industry. Um, next up, what's the ballpark figure for the difference in the end user cost if you replace a single through-hole part with a surface mount one? Is it a dollar, is it pennies? I think the first one is like a dollar, and then every additional one is like 10 to 20 cents. So there's, there is, it's the setup that's annoying. So it's like if you can, if it's one part that's through hole and you can replace it with a surface mount component, it's worth spending at least 50 cents more just to not have to go through that secondary process. Okay, next up. Uh, any more DIY magnetic connectors coming? Uh, so looking forward to trying them out. Yeah, those went faster than I thought. I felt like, oh, they're not cheap. You know, do people really want these? They, they went quite quickly, but we have some more in order. Okay. Do the different ESP32, S2 boards and modules that Adafruit sells differ in flash or RAM speed on chip versus in module versus separate chips? I see difference in overall code execution speed across device types. There could be. Um, the, all the, the, the room and the mini are gonna be a little different. First off, the different sizes of flash and RAM may have different access speeds. However, all of those dev boards, um, all the dev boards do uh, have modules and it's internal to the module. Um, so, so code execution is, is going to vary um, based on whether you can cache the memory and how much PSRAM it, it talks to you. If you're not hitting the QSPY flash to get more um, instructions and you're not touching the PSRAM, it should basically be the same. For more details, because I don't have any insight into like the low level timing of the internal PSRAM, um, 
that's where you definitely have to contact Espressif. They'll, they'll know this stuff or they'll have a profiler that you can run to get you more info. Okay, next up. Uh, for Apple AirTags, they've been in the news for being misused. Is it possible to see them with NRF52s and have code analyzed if it's a new MAC address and has it also been around for you uh, for an X amount of time? So in other words, did someone hide one on you? I, I think that they use generic BLE advertising and if they do, then yes, you can just use our um, central BLE examples. We have Arduino and CircuitPython code and look for the MAC addresses and the, the MAC address is going to be fixed or at least something in the advertising is going to be fixed because otherwise you can't identify the same tags. It's probably the MAC address. And the MAC addresses for Apple are published, so you can you know what the this chunk of um, AirTag, you know, if, if it's an AirTag and it has a certain MAC address, you can look at like the first six uh, bytes, sorry, the first, the three bytes of the six byte MAC address and it will be a bin and that bin will match to Apple. I had an AirTag that wasn't mine with me. It was one of uh, the ones I was testing and it was paired to another device and I was carrying it with me and now Apple phones say, hey, there's another AirTag that's traveling with you, watch out. Yeah. And so I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, with the chip shortage, any chance of getting three older TFT feather wings back in stock? Um, yeah, we can't, the, a lot of parts became unavailable. Um, TFTs were also unavailable. I think we did get some TFTs, but we have to revise the chipset and then, cause the chip, you know, it basically a lot of things that were like marginal um, stability became unavailable. And so it's not that I'd see that you can't get chips. I'm just seeing you can't get the particular chip you want, especially if you used it for a very long time um, because those were using older processes and the older processes are harder to get fab time for. So you might, you're actually gonna see a lot of our designs getting redesigned. Um, and stuff that we could have probably waited a few years to redesign, we're being forced to do it earlier. Okay. Um, any chance of SCSI emulation for the... Uh, I think so. I know that there's like SCSI to SD and blue SCSI. There's a couple of open source SCSI projects. I don't have any plans off, you know, I have plenty of floppy stuff to do. Um, the floppy EMU, which does the floppy emulation stuff quite well. Um, I think the RP2040 ironically could probably do a, a pretty good job of being a floppy emulator. Um, because it's got the PIO, but that's actually not on my list. I'm actually more looking at um, archiving and, and writing floppies than acting okay. like a floppy. Um, I can answer this one. Could there be a filter feature on Adafruit Learn to go through all the projects? Yeah, uh, drop us a note. We're always adding features. Um, there are ways to filter and go through different paths on the site, too. So you can drop me a note, pt at adafruit.com, with the filter request that you have, and uh, we'll probably get to it at some point. Next up, uh, are you looking forward to any upcoming display tech? I am. I do want to see in person those transparent uh, screens. Yeah. Because there's one that like rolls up. Uh, I don't go to CS anymore. But yeah. Um, but I would like to see those. And uh, we saw one at the Google Store. It has. It was a transparent. Yeah. Screen. Very but I would like stuff. to see those and see if there's like you know, ones for people like us for putting into projects and more. Um, question: Does a digital accelerometer exist that doesn't use ADC? Well, the, the 375 we just showed off doesn't use, and there's, obviously there's an analog digital converter on the inside, but it gives you SPI or I squared C out. So yeah. uh, there's our accelerometers that are analog out, but those are actually getting rarer. Most, most accelerometers these days are digital. Okay. Um, those are all the questions in Yay. Discord for this week. Thank you, everybody. Good speed round. Okay. Um, just remember, you can put questions there all the time. There's a bunch of us there. 24-7. All right. Okay, that's our show for tonight. Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, we'll see everybody next week. You're a little tired. Okay. You'll get your second wind, and then you're going to crank out more hard work, because that's what you tend to do. Or, or, or you or, just crash out. Or I'm going to crash out. Yeah. I like to play Kid Icarus now on my little on game. That's what you've been doing? Yeah, it's fun. All right. Um, so we'll see everybody next week. Thank you so much. Thank you so much uh, to Kara, who's running things behind the scenes in the Adafruit Slack. Uh, for our team. Thank you all the moderators, all the community members, all the folks in Discord asking great questions and more. Um, special thanks to all the customers for keeping us going. I think we're almost through the worst of all the things that's happened in the last two years. Very much looking forward to seeing a lot of you in person eventually soon too. Um, but thanks for placing orders and keeping us going. Um, you know, we try to give us as much as we possibly can and I, we hope 
that uh, your orders are uh, a way of saying thanks because that's how we uh, pay the bills yes. here and keep the lights on and pay the staff and more. So we'll see everybody next week. This has been an Adafruit production. Thanks, Here everybody. Here is your moment of Zener. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.